Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Sam Matterface, and today myself and Alex Crook discuss the handball law. Nobody knows what it is anymore. We take a look at Chelsea after their win against Palace. Are they just a striker away from being a good side? Plus, Brighton manager Roberto De Zerbi has been described by Adam Lallana as one of the best young coaches in the world. But is there a limit to what he can achieve with the Seagulls? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm not sure that anyone knows what handball is anymore. And if you change it every year, what do you expect? I was in a room full of journos last night after the game just having a chat about the penalty decision at Chelsea, the, the penalty decision at Goodison Park. And we were all asking whether or not, you know, whether the sort of application of the law, the constant changes, what's a foul, what's not a foul, what's handball, was all scrambled our minds. Certainly, Sean Dice, the Everton manager, was not happy with the decision, which he thinks was a game changer. That's incredibly frustrating for all. Um, I think it's putting too much pressure on the officials because that clearly is just slinging himself to try and block a shot. He's, no, he's not deliberately trying to handball that. You know, he's not even looking, just literally trying to block it. The ball now travels so fast. How on earth are you meant to go, you know, they say unnatural position? It wasn't unnatural. How are you meant to sling yourself into a natural position? You know, what does that mean? I have no clue. And that's really interesting because he, he talks there about deliberate. And I think, you know, when you look through the law book and you speak to the people who apply the laws of the game, the issue here is is the, is the way that the law is written. And deliberate isn't in there um, in this particular, you know, sometimes deliberate isn't a, a consideration. Because on Amadou Anana is not handball morally. Right. I don't think anybody believes that. I don't think, in a perfect world, that's a handball decision. Because how can you live in a world where Martin Erdegaard can finger spin on the ball at Anfield and yet Amadou Anana is penalised for the ball hitting him at that distance when he's trying to block a shot? But under the current law, this is why they have given it, in my opinion. I agree it's not a deliberate attempt to handle the ball. I also agree doesn't move his arm towards the ball. And it comes from a very, very close range. I think we measured it around about six foot, five foot earlier today when we were looking at it. But by raising his arm up towards his face, it can be argued in law that he has made his body bigger to block the shot. And in those circumstances, the distance between the kicker and the blocker becomes irrelevant if the player has made himself or is deemed to have made himself bigger. Of course, handball really subjective what you think is and what I think is two different things and and that is why I would 
urge the IFAB, even though I can't believe that they've changed it four times in four years, to change it again and go back to the idea of it just being deliberate handballs being penalised, as Sean Dyche has mentioned in his interview there. Give the responsibility back to the referee... You keep banging on about the fact that he's the sole arbiter and he has to consult the monitor and it's not the VARE refereeing the game. Let him or her make the decision on field. They can make the judgment call with their years of experience as to whether or not they believe it's deliberate or not. Because I don't think any of us believe that that was deliberate. It sounds so simple, uh, just to add a word into the into the law book, but sometimes that small word can make all the difference I think you're spot on I think John Brooks didn't believe it was a penalty he certainly didn't point to the penalty spot straight away he looked at his assistant referee who presumably was flagging for a penalty but I think the players have to take a little bit of responsibility as well because the Man City players were screaming blue murder that it was a penalty they they surrounded John Brooks and then he points to the spot obviously VAR have a look at it and decide not to overturn it so that's another referee who's decided that, that it was a penalty under the laws of the game but if, if that happened at the other end, the Manchester City players would feel very aggrieved if it was given against them. So I can't really understand why they were so convinced it was a penalty. And I think there's an element here, not just players, but fans as well. We've almost fallen into the trap. We've been retrained by the laws of the game of VAR, and we look at things differently. If that penalty was given 10 years ago, everybody would have been an uproar. Now there's almost a shrug of the shoulders. Well, that's the modern game. I'm sorry, it shouldn't be the modern game. We shouldn't accept penalties for that. It was a game changer. It handed momentum to Manchester City, and it completely killed Everton. Totally agree with you. We can protest about it. We can lobby for the IFAB to change the laws of the game. But they are the laws of the game, yeah. and we can't have a go... But do we refer- have to accept them? Well, yeah, the referees have to apply the laws of the game as they are set down, yeah. No, but do, the, do fans have to accept decisions well, you can't like that? Have a go, I don't think you can have a go at a referee for applying the laws as they are written. You can be upset about the law itself, but you can't say, well, it says in the rule book uh, that that's handball, but, you know, you, you can't really do that because it's not right. You can't, you, that, that's, you can't have a go at a referee for not applying what you think should be handball. You, you have to apply the laws of the game as they're written. So you think the Man City players were right to surround the, the referee in those circumstances? No, I don't think they were right to surround the, the referee in any circumstances. What I think is, is that you can't have a go at the ref for it. You can't have a go at for the linesman for it. They are applying yeah. the law as it's written. What you've got to do is try and somehow force the IFAB and David Ellery, who is so far removed from the game of football that we love and know, uh, to stop rewriting rules that don't make any sense. The, the, the law actually says this you'll be penalised deliberately if your hand touches the, uh, if you touch the ball with your hand or arm by for example moving the hand towards the ball or you touch the ball with the hand or arm when you've made your body unnaturally bigger but if you so, so, so basically the law says you'll be penalised if you deliberately touch the ball and then it gives you incidents where mm. it might be okay if you don't deliberately touch it just get just rid go of back to all basics. The, war, the, the, the words and just leave that first bit in. You'll be penalised if your hand deliberately touches the ball. And you're right, I wasn't necessarily attacking John Brooks there. And Actually, I did put a tweet up last night that I, I deleted because at first I thought it was weak refereeing, the fact he didn't give the penalty and then did when he got surrounded by City players. But people tell me the assistant made the decision. So mm-hmm. you're right, it's, it's not necessarily the referee's fault. It's not even the assistant's fault. It is an issue with the law. But just, as you say, just take it back to basics. If it's deliberate handball, it's a penalty. If it isn't, crack on with the game. 
Yep, uh, you'll be penalised deliberately if your hand touches the ball. It's a pretty easy law just to write. You don't need 17,000 words. You just need to write those. That'll be done and dusted. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Punched away by Pickford, comes down to Foden, struck it firmly, well blocked. Ake on the follow-up, looked like handball, could fall towards the Kanji. Pickford makes a sprawling save, City players furious, surrounding the referee, who does eventually save penalty. Penalty kick to Manchester City against Anana, certainly did look like handball, they were furious. No one can work penalties out this season anyway, they can't work handballs out. I have no clue how that's given, but they, they, I do have no clue how... The softest foul in the world was given Saturday, but apparently VAR found that they could support the officials in spite of what I've been told on good authority that the linesman gave it uh, from 50 yards away. The ref didn't from 12. Go figure. A player will be penalised if they deliberately touch the ball with their hand or arm. For example, moving the hand or arm towards the ball. If you touch the ball with the hand or arm when it has made the body unnaturally bigger, a player is considered to have made their body unnaturally bigger when the position of the hand or arm is not a consequence or justifiable by the player's body movement for that specific situation. By having their hand or arm in such a position, the player takes a risk of their hand or arm being hit by the ball and therefore being penalised. Can you imagine thinking about that when you're looking at someone blocking a shot? I switched off halfway through. <laughs> what on earth were you just telling me there? That's the handball law. Uh, Darren's a Spurs fan. Hello. Hi there, how you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, should the referees be given a law which said, basically, you'll be penalised if you deliberately handle the ball and that's it. No more outs. Let them make the decision on the field of play. Absolutely. Sean Dyche is 100% right. The law is a shambles because it's written by somebody who has no idea what it's like to make a movement as a footballer because it's actually a physical impossibility to make a move as a defender to block a shot without moving your arms for leverage or balance. It's a disgrace. The man's ruining the game we all love. Yeah, uh, David Eller is the man who's been charged with rewriting the laws and boy has he rewritten them. He's done it four times in the last four years. Um, last night's decision, I think, probably caused a little bit of consternation because of what happened at the weekend with the Martin Erdegaard situation. I mean, that's more deliberate, isn't it? And it was the same VAR, wasn't it? David Coote was on VAR. Yeah. Was, was he on VAR duty at the weekend as well? I mean, that's what's so infuriating. But, but by the way, the VAR didn't get involved last night. Well, they looked at it, didn't they? He didn't get involved no. to overturn it. He didn't say to no. him, go and have a look at the monitor. He just stepped, you know, looked at it. He didn't up. say you've applied you, the rules incorrectly, which I think is what we're suggesting, isn't it? But you'd always, you'd always um, look at check, uh, check a penalty anyway, so yeah. he would have done that. But, he, he, but he do you intervene. think the rules were applied correctly? Well, I said at the start, I thought that under the current law, you can give that penalty because it's not deliberate. He doesn't move his arm towards the ball. It comes from close range, but by raising his arm up towards his face, it can be argued that he's made himself unnaturally bigger. Um, so again, it's subjective, which again is what you said at the start of the programme. Yeah. So that's, why that's you, the problem. That's uh, why you need to add that word deliberate, but I mean, how that can be given and the Erdogan one when he's literally swept it away really with his left arm. I think it's worth pointing out the word deliberate is in the law, but it's in the law at the top, and then there's reasons why you can apply it without the, the, it being deliberate, which is the, the issue. Uh, Sam, deliberate was removed because defenders had uh, cottoned on uh, so that they could sling themselves at a shot with their arms outstretched and get away with it. Surely stopping a goal-bound shot in that fashion can't be right. I think I could argue Anana was protecting his face on this occasion. Yeah, I agree. Nick is a Chelsea fan. Hello? I just, I just can't believe. I, I don't know whether, whether it's just this country how we overcomplicate everything. If it, I completely agree with you guys. 
go to VAR, was that handball deliberate or not? There's only question. It's a bit yeah. like rugby union. Is that is that a handball, a deliberate handball or not? Can Agreed. you tell me? Uh, we've looked at it. Um, we're saying it's not deliberate. Fine, thanks, not a penalty. How how easy is that and how long did that take? But you're watching it now. I've, I've been to games at Stanford Bridge and you, you're, you're stood there in the crowd or sat there in the crowd thinking, how long is this going to take? What are you really checking for? When you see it back later on, you're thinking, why are you even checking it? Well, you had one last night. You had one last night where you were standing there yeah. waiting for ages. The play continued for <laughs> miles after Madawake was brought down inside the box. Exactly. Well, they, 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 they had a corner. So Palace have a corner. I'm screaming. I didn't actually go to the game last night. I'm screaming at the TV. It's a blatant penalty. Palace go down the other end. I'm thinking, God, if they don't give that, then Palace could score the, the winner from the corner. Well, when they, they broke, actually, the when they broke, Nick, they had four players on two. They did, yeah. yeah. And, and, and they, they, if they had scored in that scenario, we would have been in a world of trouble. <laughs> But why do we make? Why do we have to make it? When you started reading the rules out, early, the rule out earlier, you think, yeah, good start, and then it goes on and on and on. You're thinking, I'm falling asleep now. I can't, I can't be bothered to listen to the rest. You know, stop making it so complicated. What was a really simple game? Do you know what? I think most people agree with you. And what amazes me, whenever we do these refereeing chats on this program, and we're doing it again this morning. The switchboard absolutely yeah. is on fire because, because people are fed up fa- with it. Fans have had enough. Uh, and, and listen, this is not a VAR issue. We can use it as a stick to beat VAR with, but it's a it's an issue with the rules. It's an it issue is. with David Ellery overcomplicating it. He used to be a school teacher, didn't he? David Ellery, he was right, the, wasn't that? he the, the, the yeah. house master at Harrow yeah. or something like that? Well, it's like he's writing an exam paper. Yeah, Darren is uh, a Spurs fan. Hello, hi. Um, the problem with the um, Handball rule is it's so complicated. And we need to have it where it's handball. I don't know why the arm even comes into it, because it's handball. It should just be the hand. If the hand touches it, that's where the foul should be committed. That's a good point, actually. Why why is it that handball goes all the way up to your armpit? Has that, has that always been the case, or is that a relatively new oh, well, the, the, introduction the, as well? There's T-shirt. No, well, it, no, it was up to the shoulder at one stage. Right. It's come down right. to the uh, armpit, the capped sleeve T-shirt in the last few years. That's another change that's happened over the last few years. We've got a little diagram in the in the uh, in the in the law book now where it just shades a certain. You got to bed with arm. that law book, don't you? <laughs> I don't, I've got it on my phone, mate. Honestly. <laughs> Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Flimsy stands slowing you down? Well, it's time to upgrade. Armadillo builds durable North American-made tablet stands and kiosks. We're so confident, we offer a lifetime warranty. So, elevate your business and visit armadillo.com. 
That's A-R-M-O-D-I-L-O dot com and use code ACAST for 5% off. Armadillo, built to last, designed to impress. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Storms ravaging the country. Both these two could be in the eye of a storm. Chelsea's boss said the target was to be at the top this season. But eight defeats before Christmas blew those hopes away. Palace have also lost eight in the Premier League. He's giving it back to Gustav. Left side of the box. Into Mudrick. He taps it in on the edge of the six-yard box. He stands with his arms spread wide. And he takes in the applause. A goal created by Gusto and gobbled up by Mudrick. Chelsea take the lead. If Palace were to get an equaliser now, it will get very hostile around here. Back to Ayu, flicks the ball to the far post, chested down by Elise, there's your equaliser. A turn and shot at the back post, unmarked. Jackson is through and he's missed the target. Conor Gallagher looks to the sky, saying, what on earth do I have to do? Jackson is there, and this time he does manage to prod it home inside the six-yard box. Oh, and the it's offside. It's offside. They've chalked off the goal. It's a challenge by Eze on the edge of the box. Nadoweke goes down, wants a penalty. It is given by the referee, and Chelsea have a penalty. They watch on, he runs up, left-footed, sends the goalkeeper the wrong way. And Chelsea steal all three points in the final minute of the game. Nani Madueke with a brilliantly composed penalty. It's finished, Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace 1. And stealing all three points is probably about right. Crystal Palace played quite well in the game. They certainly look like the more cohesive team and, and, and they look more choreographed and their patterns of play were very good. Elise uh, was given the player of the match by Stuart Pearce on, on TalkSport 2 where we were doing that commentary last night. I think we should probably ban the phrase turning a corner because I think uh, people maybe who didn't see the whole game last night woke up this morning, saw Chelsea had won again. It's a third home win in a row and they'll be thinking, oh yeah, maybe they're on the right road. But uh, <laughs> the idea of Chelsea or Manchester United turning a corner uh, because they've won one game is over. We should just ban the phrase because Chelsea haven't turned the corner because of that nor Manchester United those two barely are in the car revving the engine let alone approaching the corner um, a third win in a, a row at home but it was only the sixth home win all year all year 2023 six home Premier League wins under three different managers under three different managers most losses fewest goals and fewest wins at Stamford Bridge in a calendar year since 1986 yeah but you've done it on a budget of a billion pounds so you know let's, let's, let's not get too too high or low if you're a Chelsea fan they lost more games in 2023 than every side in Europe's top five leagues apart from three and I don't think Almeria Empoli or Werder Bremen spent a billion quid it is it is quite incredible when, when you lay out the bare statistics what was the atmosphere like at Stamford Bridge last frustration, night frustration frustration right. and it was fascinating watching Poch in the technical area as well because speaking to him after the game he's clearly pulling his hair out but he can't say it you know he, he wants them to to build up with patterns and purpose that they've designed in training uh, but the players just doing it all off the cuff at times they've, they've got very good talented individuals I think and sometimes you get away with it as a result of that there's a lot of raw talent there's a lot of young talent in that group uh, but, 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 but it's not a team yet do you know what I mean it's not I know they were missing Cole Palmer and Sterling yesterday because of suspension but they need to start playing like a team because Palace do that Palace haven't got as much as Chelsea have got in terms of 
raw talent and and potential. But they've got a couple of very good players, like Elise, like Eze, who's maybe still not up to speed just yet. But they're, they're a better choreographed team. They look as if they're, they're doing what the managers asked them to do. Pochettino's standing there saying, this is not what I asked you to do. They're just making stuff as they go along. Nicholas Jackson doing sort of balletic flicks when he gets into a really promising position isn't helping anyone. I think it's the balance of the squad as well, isn't it? I mean, for me, they're still lacking that number nine, obviously, and Kunku comes into the team. He had a brilliant opportunity to make it 2-0 when he just seemed to fall lose over. his footing and trip <laughs> over his own feet and was then claiming a penalty. Obviously, Brozier's come on. I'm not convinced he's quite at the level that, that Chelsea need. You had to move uh, Gusto from right-back to left-back at one stage. Obviously, both first-choice full-backs in Chilwell and James are injured, which is a problem. Not convinced by Badia Shield at the heart of that Chelsea defence. Colwell struggled against Elise yesterday, especially in the first half. Yeah, and it just it, it does defy belief that they've spent so much money and made the team so significantly worse. You have to think when they took over Chelsea, they hadn't long won the Champions League. You know, they would have challenged for the top four under Thomas Tuchel if they just kept him. I'm sure of that and not meddled too much with the squad. But this squad looks a million miles away from where Chelsea have been in the past, and I'm amazed that Chelsea fans actually are just sort of shrugging their shoulders and accepting this. They're not shrugging their shoulders and, effect, uh, and uh, accepting it. Is there, mu- is there much ire directed at the well, owner? Uh, we had, uh, where we sit, when we do the commentary at Stamford Bridge, we've got, um, we're in the East Stand, we're at the back of it, it's, we're right at the front row of that gantry area, and, and it, right in front of us, literally sitting in the row in front of us as a group of fans, and they kept turning around and talking to us during the game and at half-time, whatever, and they were, they were pulling their hair out as well, because, you know, it's like, they, they, they don't understand what the project is that Chelsea are embarking on. Obviously, they've signed a lot of these players on long-term contracts. So these players are going to be around for a very long time because there's no way that anyone's going to come in and buy them for a hefty price, the price that it's going to take to get them out of the But club. that in itself is a massive issue because these, massive issue. these players are not good enough to get Chelsea back to where they were before Todd Bowie came in. Well, they're not good in. enough at this moment in time they going to be in good this enough? setup. That somehow, I don't know how he does it because he's clearly trying mould them into a team he's got to find a way to get them into a team hasn't helped that they've had a significant number of injuries and haven't been able to get Nkunku on the pitch until yesterday it was his first Premier League start Lavia's first Premier League start he's injured again by the way he's managed to command £73 million worth of uh, uh, transfer fees he's 19 years of age he's only played uh, 27 Premier League matches a, a quite outstanding really uh, piece of business but yesterday we had Stuart Pearce doing the commentary on TalkSport 2 alongside me and um, <laughs> he had his say about Chelsea's performance when they were 1-0 up in the game Do you know the worst job in football at this moment in time being the analysis person for Chelsea that's got to debrief the performances because it's so difficult if someone tasks me with sort of feedback to the players how we've done without trying to crush their sort of uh, confidence in any way you know and there's some bright things that come of it they're winning the game 1-0 but there's so many bits and pieces, little errors, bad passes that you've got to pick players up on. That it's a character assassination. He was pulling his hair out as well. He was. He was. He just could not believe it. He actually said at one stage, "I want to interview Pochettino and I want to ask him what he really thinks of his team." So what he's suggesting, and I think what you were suggesting as well, is that these players at this moment in time lack football intelligence. Uh, I think there's a lot lack of experience in that group. You know, he's he, 25. He actually turned around and said to me during the middle of the game, Stuart Pearce said this. He said, with all due respect 
three, four weeks ago, I came to Chelsea for the first time of the season. He said, and I, I looked at it and I thought, how on earth have they spent a billion pounds on Conor Gallagher? With all due respect to Conor Gallagher, but how is Conor Gallagher the captain of this team with all of the characters that they've spent money on? He said, I couldn't, couldn't work it out. He said, I've watched them three times since then. And I know exactly why Conor Gallagher is the captain of this team. He's the only one with tactical discipline. He's the only one that has the energy to lead the press and run around like actually putting out fires. He's the only one who uses the ball properly. He hasn't necessarily got the best technical quality out of those in that group. But he's the only one who looks mature enough to be able to handle the situation. You know, he's he played this beautiful ball through to Nicholas Jackson last night, which he had to score, at least hit the target. Mm. And he steered it wide. And it was a great opportunity. And you actually thought at that moment, the game's going to go for Chelsea. Well, obviously you were defending Jackson to a certain extent yesterday compared to Hoyland, for example. But I still think long-term Hoyland is going to be a better footballer than Nicholas Jackson. Okay, United spent a lot more money on Hoyland. But I'm just looking here. I mean, you talk about lack of experience. De Sassi is 25. They paid £38.5 million to sign him. If he's no good at 25 or not at the required level at 25, he's not going to get there at... 27, 28. He's not good enough. That's 40 million down the drain. But that's one player. Well, I mean, what other players are of his age? Badia Shields, 22. Is, is that... Well, that's is young. That's that still that a young player, isn't is that a rookie yeah. well, in the part, modern game? Well, the youngest, the, the youngest average starting 11, I think I think Chelsea's is 23, something like that, which is the youngest in the whole... Caicedo, 22 as well. Yeah, he's still young. Yeah. What's your verdict on him so far for the money they spent? He's got a lot of room for improvement. Oh, that's a very polite way of putting it, isn't it? Enzo Fernandez, the same. They paid over the odds for him. He's injured. That was a vanity signing, though, wasn't it? In terms of the amount of money. Their, their sporting t- recruitment team got so far down the line with that deal, it, they would have almost been left red-faced if they walked away. But it's like a game of poker. Sometimes you have to know when to fold. And Man City are good at that. If the price gets too high, they walk away. Chelsea need to learn to walk away. Yeah, all right. Well, you're wagging your finger there. Well, also, as, as long as, you know, if you've got potential and sometimes it takes you a little while to get up to speed of the Premier League... For players, sometimes it's the same for owners and sporting directors as well. Um, by, what, what, by, by 2028, they're <laughs> going to be unbeatable, and they're going to be bankrupt as well. Uh, Noni Madueke scored the penalty last night, which uh, uh, ended up being the match-winning goal. And I spoke to him afterwards uh, for uh, Talksport, and this is what he had to say. Noni, congratulations! A big moment, a winning moment. You showed bravery to go and collect that penalty. Did you always want it from the minute that you were fouled? Yeah, no, of course. Um, I'm com- confident from the spot. I, I scored one earlier this season, so yeah, no. When I when I seen that the VAR gave it, um, yeah, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to take it. Was there any doubt in your mind that the VAR VAR might not give it because there was a lengthy break between you being hit initially and then the referee making the final call? No, I knew I knew it was a foul. The only thing was whether it was inside or outside, but I knew it was a penalty. Um, and yeah, VAR, credit to them, made the right decision, so chuffed. How important could that goal be? Because it was a game where you'd seen missed chances, a goal chalked off a, a mi- marginal offside, but it was incredibly important that you got three points today. Yeah, no, today was a must-win game. Um, it's been similar games like this in the season where we probably should have won and we haven't quite got the rub of the green, so I'm happy that today... Um, done the business and got three points you've had to come off the bench today there's obviously a lot of competition for places at Chelsea you've had periods out of the team because of injury and other bits and pieces but you, you're back fully fit now are you confident you can break into the team on a regular basis yeah no for sure it's been it's been stop, a stop start campaign for me to be fair I've had little niggles little injuries things that probably haven't quite gone my way but um, listen I'm happy to to make an impact off the bench today and get the three points and whether I start the next game or 
have the same impact off the bench is, is up to the to the manager. So I'll just keep doing my thing and see what happens. And how are you finding it at Chelsea? Because it, you know, when you join the club, I don't expect that you're expecting that Chelsea will be fighting to stay in the top half of the table. But that's where you are at this moment in time. Yeah, no, it's only Christmas. I wouldn't. I don't watch that too much. I don't think we'll be where we are at the moment come the end of the season. We've, we've, we've had some great performances this season. Like I said, haven't quite got the rubber of the green. It's a process, but I think um, yeah, where we are now is not going to... Yeah, won't define us come the end of the season, I don't think. Is that the feeling within the group, that you're building something slowly but surely under the manager? Yeah, for sure. I think it's just it's just consistency for us at the moment. That's that's the big thing. Like we, we, we play good football and we're scoring goals now. Like I remember last season we weren't scoring goals. We're scoring goals now, probably conceding a few too many, but I feel like it's just consistency. It's that consistency that we really need to get down. And once we do, I feel like we'll be, we'll be a really good team. Yeah, and do you think that's probably down to the fact that you've got so many new players or young players in the squad? Yeah, um, young not so much, but new players for sure. Like, um, obviously it takes time for, for everyone to gel together. But um, like I said, I think it's only a matter of time before we start um, <coughs> picking up three points on the regular. Um, and what's your aims and ambitions for 2024? Just to play as much football as I can, um, help my team and yeah, just be happy and that's, that's it. Uh, that's the Chelsea match winner from last night, Nani Madaweke, who joined us after the game at Stamford Bridge. 25 points from 19 games. They're in 10th position as we speak. They're only actually above Wolves in 11th and Bournemouth on 12th on goal difference. But he says, don't look at the table now. Uh, look at it later on. Where we are now is not where we will be come the end of the season. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Again it's Cizo across the face goal. Again it's Sonny Mart. And again it's a Brighton goal. What an afternoon for Brighton and Hove Albion. For the second week in a row, they win by four goals to one. Roberto has this incredible charisma, this incredible personality that, that, that gets the best out of every player. And, and more probably in some cases than they believe was possible. And I've been met him a couple of times and watched him train. That took me to a new level of respect for what he was doing. It's been a joy to work with. I, I love coming out training every day and so do all the boys. We know what he wants from us and we go to the games and pure belief and confidence to, to go and take it to any team. Marseille-Nil, their first venture ever into European football, sees Brighton straight into the last 16. He is the real deal, yeah. He's, he's incredible. He's an incredible coach, incredible man-manager, he's good with the boys. So uh, was, he's been incredible and a joy to work for, really, and I'm still learning off him every day now. You heard there from uh, the CEO of Brighton, Paul Barber, Danny Murphy, Billy Gilmore and the Brighton captain, Lewis Dunk. Um, there's no doubt that he's an incredibly good coach and that people buy into his methods. But you can be a great coach and not um, be able to get everybody in board. And one of, the, one of the great things that Roberto De Zerbi has is he has charisma and he has an infectious personality. Spend any time with him. Go down to Brighton, go in and around that building and people are drawn to him. You know, look at the way that he has brought that group together I know that from behind the scenes he you know when he's got them out and he's he's having he's having downtime with the players they all want to be around him they gravitate towards him he celebrates with them when they have their big successes like getting to the Europa League he is an infectious personality but exactly how much can he do and at Brighton and is there a ceiling or or actually isn't there a ceiling because we've seen prior to this season, seasons before, I mean, the fact that Brighton got into the top six last year is, is smashing through a glass ceiling and everybody's got the, the carrot of trying to do a Leicester. 
Yeah, and, and the natural assumption to make is that there's only so far you can go all the time that you're selling your best players, and, and Brighton have done that. Obviously, they lost Moises Caicedo, Alexis McAllister in the summer, Mark Kukurea before that as well. And you don't have to look too far along the south coast for an example of where that does in the end catch up with you in Southampton, who now find themselves in the championship. But I don't see that happening at Brighton because I think they've got that trump card that is Tony Bloom. When they lose one player for big money, they know exactly who they're going to get to replace him. Estu Pignan is back in the squad tonight. He was an upgrade, arguably, on Mark Kukurea when they sold him for big money to Chelsea. That They had replacements already in the building for Caicedo and McAllister. And actually, there's an outstanding stat from our colleague Andy Naylor at The Athletic. Since losing 4-2 at home to Arsenal on Boxing Day 2022, without Caicedo and McAllister in the team that day, Brighton at the Amex have won or drawn 17 of their last 20 Premier League games. To lose that calibre of player and still manage to be in and around the European places, uh, they would be up to seventh in the table if they win tonight. To be in the last 16 of the Europa League, and I think you have to have them down as contenders to win that competition. Absolutely. When you look at the group they came through, Lalana described it to me as a Champions League group uh, with a calibre of opponent, Marseille and Ajax in there, and they still managed to top the group. So I'm not sure there is a ceiling. It's interesting, isn't it? Because they're ninth at this moment in time, as you say, can go into the European places with the victory uh, tonight and other results going their way. If they were to do that, 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 that ending the year in, the, in that position is, is, is not only uh, a very good performance, it's an excellent performance, but because of the, the, the standards that they set last year by finishing sixth and because of the expectation that was given uh, to maybe built up because of what they did last season, it feels like this season's been a little bit sort of underwhelming maybe, but I don't think it really has. I mean, to top that group in the Europa League to be in Europe in the first place is an amazing achievement you know get a little bit of perspective this is Brighton and Hove Albion you know it wasn't too long ago that we were playing at the Whitdean Stadium athletics track uh, around the outside and changing in a porter cabin they, this club has moved forward at a rapid pace they're now stalwarts of the top 10 and they probably will end up in the European places at, at the end of the season um, whether or not Roberto De Zerbi is admired by others which he I, certainly is. I think he, he probably feels as if that he can achieve more with this group because he's got a greater level of influence than he would do if he went to a big sort of monolith like Manchester United or another a huge club that may well be in for his services. John is a Brighton fan. He joins us now. Hi, John. Well, just a couple of things I was saying to uh, the chap I spoke to just a second earlier. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one uh, club uh, that deserve he will leave Brighton for. And that's actually the Italian national team. Um, I don't think he needs it to go to anywhere else. And I also don't think that, um, quite frankly, what we've got at Brighton, um, why does anybody need to leave Brighton? I, I, I mean, interesting what you're talking about, the players that left. Have those players that left, yes, I agree, Graham, uh, old, uh, what's his name, what, at Arsenal, possibly Trossard. But the majority of them, look at Basuma at Spurs. With all due respect, he's the plan tonight, I think. Have they really gone on fire when they've left Brighton? No, they haven't. Why? Because Brighton's a nice, happy club. We have good managers. We have a good chairman. We have a good CEO. And we are all together. That's about environment, isn't it? It's about the environment that's been created by the CEO, by the chairman, by the manager. um, That means that the players that you do have in your ranks are able to thrive. They're able to inflate their values because he makes them look better. Exactly, but the point is, I know we talk about the fact we're having a bit of a hard time of it. We've got about 11 or 12 
uh, players that are injured. You've only lost five games this season. I mean, we say you've had a hard time, but you lost five games this season. You've lost three fewer games than Manchester United. I know, I know, but you see, we 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 have got so many. I mean, I'm just thinking of the we've got out. You mm. talked about the student coming back tonight. But we've got, obviously, um, I can't think of his name now, but it's a chap from Colombia. We've got so many quality players. When they're all fit, and hopefully they will be soon, and we've also got the January transfer window coming along, boy, watch out. Boy, watch out. Because I think, I think we, we are on an upward curve. You know, I can't... I, can't have, I mean, I was at the Marseille match, obviously, at the Amex. And, boy, what an experience. Mm. You know, I mean, there, there was only one other time that I've actually had the the um, experience. So, uh, so not so bad at Brighton, but it was when, of course, we returned to the Amex after being on our travels. And <laughs> this might sound a bit corny to say, but um, there was, I suppose, me and about another thirty thousand Brighton supporters, so all crying our eyes out. You know, it was funny. It is is an amazing story. And actually, I was at the the premiere of the the film about Brighton's rise over the last 25 years, Stand or Fall. And I think everybody at the football club is aware of that history. And it is a unique history. I know there's a lot of teams who've come back from financial adversity. But to actually have their ground sold from underneath them, end up homeless, playing Gillingham miles away uh, from their spiritual home, then at that with Dean Stadium that you talked about, to turn that around and build this state-of-the-art stadium, state-of-the-art training ground and a club, a squad capable of competing amongst the very best in the country, I think that makes Brighton a unique football club. And then, if you, listen, I was down there not so long ago and uh, we were talking about building an extra facility on the site to try and make the even better experience for fans on a match day. They do that very well already, but to increase the amount of uh, revenue that they could possibly bring in during that time, which would elevate their income, which elevates their spending power, which takes them to the next level in terms of uh, financially as well. It is is a club that is managed sensibly off the field as well as on the field and that makes a huge difference as well and it's an example to other clubs as well I mean yes it might be on a smaller scale to Tottenham to Manchester United to Manchester City to Arsenal Chelsea Liverpool whatever but ultimately I think some of those clubs Manchester United and maybe Chelsea in particular can learn from the way that Brighton operate. And they look after everybody as well. They look after all the staff. If you remember, we had the story uh, when they did qualify for Europe for the first time, everybody who was employed by the football club got some kind of bonus, which is which is fantastic and, and sums up the, the way the club is run. And he mentioned absentees there, John. Um, I mean, it's it's basically starting eleven. They've got out injured. People like Lamptey, Veltman, Webster, uh, Estupinian, who will be in the squad tonight, but may not get on the pitch. March, Adingra, Fatty, on loan from Barcelona, he's unavailable. Mitoma's going to be out for the next uh, few weeks because he's injured. Then he's got the Asia Cup. And CISO, who, who was just showing potential that maybe he could be the next superstar. So the fact they've got all those players injured and they're still up there with a chance of getting in the European spots tonight, I think it's testament to deserving. Yeah, everyone's got injuries at this moment in time. Some of them are more significant than others, but uh, it is a juggling act. But Brighton, 27 points from 18 games, ninth in the table. I don't think that you can sniff at that. They've got a good manager, got a great structure and a bright future. Thank you very much, John, who called us on that subject. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport thanks for listening to outspoken with white and jordan please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from we'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.